Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. All right, we've made it to the end of another book. Today we are wrapping up Acts. We're reading Acts 27 and 28, and it is a lot about uh, a shipwreck, a lot of detail about a shipwreck, mm-hmm. uh, and ultimately like the the end of Paul's journey, kind of. He has now officially made it to Rome. He will spend some time in Rome, but his life will end in Rome. So the journey on this boat is pretty significant in that Paul experiences a lot on the journey. The ship actually, like, it wrecks along the way. Um, there's a lot of people on this ship, which I ha- didn't really realize. Mm-hmm. I just kind of assume it's just like this small, very intimate group of people. But there are many people here experiencing this event all at the same time. So I'm sure there is, like, just a lot of emotions, a lot of just craziness going on. But what is really cool is how God appears and speaks to Paul throughout this very uncertain time for him. Yeah. I mean, we talked yesterday about how there's no question that God's sovereignty is at work here. Like Paul definitely still has to be obedient. uh, So he still has some level of responsibility in spreading the gospel. But Paul in appealing to Caesar, that's why he's in the situation that he is. He has said that he uh, invokes his right to appear before Caesar. Um, In appealing to Caesar, he has now guaranteed a trip to Rome. But that's not That's not just Paul's thing. Like, that is God's thing. And so we see here in these two chapters how God is protecting Paul, I believe, so that he can make it to where, to Rome, where Mm -hmm. he's supposed to go, and ultimately share the gospel in Rome. And so one of the coolest things about chapter 27 is, let's see, uh, it's chapter 27, verse 21. (laughs) First of all, he says, men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. So that's not a great thing to say to make friends uh, when you're on a ship, like surrounded by this terrible storm. Uh, Yet now, this is verse 22, yet now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, there stood before me an angel of God to whom I belong, whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men. For I have faith in God that it will be exactly as it, as I've been told. Um, it it kind of has like a weird Jonah echo because Jonah's on a ship and mm-hmm. there's like this huge storm and the people are freaking out. And Jonah is like the God who I serve is like in charge of this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul's doing the same thing. Paul is much more faithful than Jonah was. If you want to <laughs> hear about how terrible Jonah is, you can go back and listen to our episode on Jonah. Um, but it, it's pretty cool how not only does God preserve Paul because God definitely has a goal here for Paul to reach Rome. But he preserves, I think, these 276, I think that's the number, other people with him. And so they are protected because they are traveling with a servant of the Lord. And Paul, because he's Paul, uses this instance to witness to everybody. He's like, the God who I serve is going to do what he says. Just watch. I think it's interesting, too, what it says about faith. Uh, or like, because when you compared it to Jonah specifically, so we have... Paul, who is completely sold out, he is given over his entire life, like his his way to Damascus, his on the road to Damascus. He has literally taken his entire life and like flipped it upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, and his his journey on this boat, he doesn't like he doesn't care about his own life. Like his life yeah. is a reflection of who God is and what God's doing, and he doesn't care about 
himself. He cares about other people. Whereas it's so interesting with Jonah because he was someone who cared more about himself and not the people around him. I think that speaks a lot to us too. Like how willing are we to live a life that is just completely open-handed when our, our thoughts and attitudes are not focused on ourselves so much as the people around us. And that's so evident here with what Paul's saying. He's like, hey, like God's going to take care of us. I trust in him. I'm, I'm a prisoner here. And I'm telling you that it's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he is reassuring the people that are taking him off uh, to be charged. So I think that's really telling. So I know you're excited to talk about these uh, people in Malta where they actually mm-hmm. end up shipwrecked. I'm going to give you Bible nerd extra credit right before we get there. This book is written by Luke. Acts is kind of the second part of Luke. Um, but one of the things that you can look at the Bible and believe that it is real and it is authentic is that there is actually a lot of geography in these last couple of chapters. And the the way that Luke describes weather the way that Luke describes these cities, the way that Luke describes how they travel, it all lines up with our understanding of the ancient world, where cities were, what were major ports, how the weather patterns worked, and where people would sail. So Luke is recording details that align uh, with the history that we know about the ancient world at that time, and that's just one small way that we know we can trust the authority of the Bible. So then we get into chapter 28. Super exciting, Uh, mostly because it feels like I am thinking, again, back to just like this very mission-minded, walking into an area where you don't know anybody, people don't know who you are, what message you're bringing. Uh, It takes a lot of courage to just kind of approach people, but also it's really cool to see how this group of people that could have probably just taken them over and killed them is very hospitable. Um, They actually think that Paul, it must be some kind of terrible, awful criminal, but quickly realize without much background at all that something is unique about this person. Something's unique about this man. He gets bitten by a snake um, and they just assume, oh, he's just going to fall over dead. Uh, And Paul is unharmed. He is not affected by it at all whatsoever. Um, And it's really cool how... I don't know, God just worked that situation out to show that this man is unique. So if you think back to, and this is is a ways back, but the end of the gospel of Mark, and we talked about this when we talked about Mark 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 18 says, uh, actually I'll start in verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. Mm -hmm. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Mm -hmm. We've seen Paul do most of these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only thing we haven't seen him do is drink poison. Right. Um, But like Paul does that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and and this weird snake story is in some ways a fulfillment of Mm -hmm. Mark 16, 18. So I just, I really appreciated this part because honestly, like as we're hearing how all this plays out, I think a first thought would be just like, oh my word, this is just another hurdle they have to get over. But God is using this weird pit stop as a way to comfort Paul, essentially share the gospel with the people of this island that might not have heard it otherwise, um, and really just give them like a safe haven. Um, So I just, I really appreciated that little... Like I said, that little pit stop, I think it's kind of cool. I think I may have probably breezed over that in the past and not really realized the significance of it. So finally, Paul does make his way to Rome. And one of the cool things about this is that the people that are in Rome are thrilled 
to meet Paul. The reason they're so excited to meet Paul is because they had received his letter probably about three to four years before. So they had never met him, uh, but they were receiving instruction from him. So you see, like on his journey to Rome, uh, the brothers are coming out to meet him. They're excited to meet him, to be encouraged by him. And what's cool about Paul, um, Rome has apparently, at least in Paul's circumstance, kind of this like loose house arrest that's not at all like we understand prison mm-hmm. today. Um, but so he is under the authority of the Romans. He is being detained in some sense, but he's able to visit with people. He's able to see people. He's under guard of one uh, guard. But what happens in Rome is that he basically ends up holding like these Bible studies, essentially. There's just constantly people with Paul learning about Jesus. Uh, and Paul walks them through like the, I'll just read it. The This is chapter 28, verse 23. It's the second part of 23. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. This is very similar um, to what Jesus does with the, the group of people on the road to Emmaus. Um, it's also very similar to what it says about Jesus in Matthew 28, uh, where he appears and some believe, but some still doubted. Uh, so it's, it's just really cool to see what Paul's doing. And it's really cool to see God in his sovereignty, uh, basically giving Paul an all expenses paid trip to Rome mm-hmm. where he could spread the gospel in Rome. And I mean, if you're going to reach anywhere, um, you pretty much have to reach Rome at that point in time, because all roads lead to Rome. Like we, we say that now, but like that was actually true then. And so Paul's taking advantage of the technology of the time, like roads that all lead to Rome. And when he successfully uh, spreads the gospel in Rome, it's now successfully going to spread all over the place. I also like the message that Paul brings as he is bringing um, the words of the prophet Isaiah out, where he is aware that there are some people that are not believing what he's saying. Um, and he does say that they have ears to hear, but they'll never They'll never listen. They'll never understand. Um, Their hearts have grown dull. Their ears can barely hear. Um, So basically saying like this message is like nothing to them. However, I really do like, uh, let's see, verse 28 where it says, Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. That is so interesting. So he's kind of like, he's like passing off the baton saying, you all know it, take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. But there are like the Gentiles, they will hear it and they will believe. Um, so I don't know. I feel like that just kind of uncovers another layer of believers that perhaps he's just like shedding light on that they're not really totally aware of. So this is the end of Acts. We are we are throwing it in the books. We have now completed this one. Uh, for me, that the your part is the entire book of Acts. The boldness of these, <laughs> the boldness of these new believers is incredible, and they endure incredible hardship. The things that they have to say are very uh, dramatic, very offensive, um, <laughs> but they they are committed to the message, and it's because of their faithfulness. I've said this before. It's because of their faithfulness, and ultimately because of Jesus and how they represent Jesus so well. Uh, that we are believers today, that we benefit from the message today. So I'm just encouraged um, to be bold in how I share. I know that it's not going to be received well all the time. That's not a license to be offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am like, I, I, that, I guess that's the big thing I noticed. Um, one, the incredible things that 
that the disciples of Jesus were able to do, and two, the boldness that with which they shared, with which they shared. So uh, I hope you're encouraged by that. I think that's the your part. I mean, be bold, be courageous. Uh, that's almost biblical, I think. So, <laughs> so we'll be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow we are going to start uh, in Colossians. Uh, and really, we'll just be going through a lot of these letters that Paul wrote in the I'm latter part in. of his life. So we'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan Your Part. Don't forget, it is always more important that you listen to God's words rather than our words. So please stick around to hear the reading for the day uh, or go and find it in the Bible and read it yourself. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and write a review on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. Now that we have all that out of the way, here is the reading for today. Acts chapter 27. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Adrantium, which is about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea, across the coast of Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Snidus, which as the wind did not allow us to go any farther. We sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lacia. Since much time had passed, and the voyage was now dangerous, because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also for our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul had said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind, called the nor'easter, struck down from the land and the ship was caught up and could not face the wind. We gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the Sirtis, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, and they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us. All hope of our being saved was at the last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. 
you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. When the fourteenth night had come, as we were beaten down, driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found twenty fathoms. A little farther on they took a sounding again and found fifteen fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for the day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes at the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged all of them to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all who broke it, he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach, on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow struck and remained immovable and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill all the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to the land. Chapter 28 After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta, The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune came to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of the place where lands belonging to the chief man of the island, named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days, It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium, 
and after one day a south wind sprang up, and on the second day we came to Petioli. There we found brothers, and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the Forum of Apias and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage, and when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to our fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, with their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, I would heal them. Therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about Jesus Christ with all the boldness and without hindrance. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.